All right. Welcome to the show. I have on Bryant Solentrop. Uh, Bryant is the CEO and Elevate of sorry CEO of Elevate and Delegate, uh, which is a virtual assistant hiring business. Um, so, so thanks so much for joining me. Welcome to the show, Bryant. Hey, Nick. Of course. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. So, um, could you give us a little background on um, you know Elevate and Delegate, exactly what it is, how you got started, um, and you know what your day to day looks like. Sure, of course. Um, in um, March, April, May ish of 2020, I started a residential, excuse me, a commercial cleaning service. Um, it's kind of coming out of the pandemic. I was doing outside sales before that. And when the pandemic happened, uh, kind of stopped doing that because, you know, you weren't allowed to go and see anyone. Right. So um, I kind of left that job, moved halfway across the country. I was living in Kansas. I moved to North Carolina. Um, and didn't really have any money, uh, but I moved out here because this is where my wife uh, is from and she was going to school out here. So moved out here, started a cleaning business because it was like the most affordable thing I could do. Um, if I had, you know, somewhere to put a lawnmower at my apartment, I probably would have done lawn care. I really didn't yeah. have any thesis behind it. I just wanted to start making some money. So um Started a cleaning business. Uh, it went pretty well. Started to grow pretty fast. Landed my first customer off of a Google My Business listing. That was a $2,000 a month customer. So then I was kind of in business, right? And so then I found the next $1,500 a month customer and so on and so forth, right? Did all the cleaning myself, all that kind of stuff. And as I was scaling and growing, hiring employees, learning all those many tough lessons, um, I was having a lot of issues recruiting cleaners. Now, the labor market's always tough, like always hard to find good people, um, but particularly in cleaning and particularly at that point in time, um, everybody was hiring, wages were increasing a lot. And so what I did was uh, a friend of mine said, hey, you should look at hiring some offshore help. I said, offshore help, what do you mean? He said, go to the Philippines and uh, recruit somebody to help you with your business. I said, what's the Philippines? Um, and so he helped me you know, show me how to hire somebody overseas. And that person works basically as a full-time recruiter in my small little business. Um, obviously would not have been able to afford to have someone stateside do that, but that's what helped us basically, um, you know, tap into more labor um, and eventually more customers and helped us kind of grow and scale and get some stability. So that's how I got into, you know, hiring some offshore help. Um, mm -hmm. And it's been an integral part of multiple, you know, both my businesses uh, kind of since then. And so I started to help friends with that process, right? Um, and then I was doing that for free and that was great. Uh, but over time realized like, okay, I'm spending more time helping my friends hire virtual assistants as some people call them or offshore team members. And I think I need to focus on this more, right? This is a real mm -hmm. business here. so. Um, we've been, you know, running and gunning, doing a lot of that this year and helped over 135 business owners, um, hire offshore talent this year. And it's, it's been a great time. Um, a lot of happy business owners, a lot of happy people overseas to get jobs. And so, um, that's kind of how I got into this and a little bit about what we do. Yeah. Awesome. And so are you still running that cleaning business or have you shifted everything over to the, to the VA business now? Yeah. 99% of my working energy is focused on the staffing business. Um, the cleaning business, it still operates. We still have, um, 
people that work in that business. We still have customers, still makes money. Um, I still cash the checks every month. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. but it's mm, the closest thing to a form of like passive income as you could probably see, um, besides like stocks or something, because, yeah. um, I have someone overseas that helps me kind of run the admin side of that business. Um, okay. Now, if we were going to try and grow that business like crazy, what I'd have to step in again, but with our current clientele and all that stuff, it's, it's been really solid to run it, uh, without me being involved in the day to day. Yeah, totally. And is the, is the headache less with the VA business because you're not dealing with, you know, labor and services and things like that? Cause there's a lot that can go wrong. I imagine in, in the cleaning business, right? If it's something's not cleaned right or someone doesn't show up on time, there's a lot of variables there. Yeah. I mean, there's different kinds of headaches that you're dealing with, right? Um, obviously when you're, you know, working in a cleaning business, um, the biggest thing that's difficult is when just cleaners don't show up or they quit or, or whatever. That's really tough, but, mm -hmm. um, you get through it and you learn how to make it better and you build systems. Um, I'll say all in all, like, yes, this business is a little bit less headaches for me for sure. Um, but it's also just a lot more fun because I get to spend time talking to business owners every day about like, Hey, how can we improve your business basically by, you know, helping you hire some offshore talent. So, Mm -hmm. Um, it's been, a, it's been a great change for me. Um, and I'm excited to keep doing it. So, yeah, totally. And so how does the exact process work with, with the, uh, sourcing, right? So a business oh, yeah. owner will come to you, right. And then where does it go from there? Oh, absolutely. So, um, what we do is we kind of assess their business needs, right? We need to talk to them about, um, what are your actual needs? Where are you hurting in your business? Where are the pain points? Like where, what is your limit to maybe scaling revenue to the next stage, or maybe it's operational stuff that you just want to hone in and focus on a little bit more. Um, where do you actually need the help? So some people are very clear. They know they say, I, I need a bookkeeper. So we're like, okay, we'll absolutely find you a bookkeeper. Some people say, I just need my time back. So then we have to do a little bit more um, asking them questions, kind of like helping getting to the root of where we can find someone to help them. Mm -hmm. And so um, from there, we craft a specific job description that is, you know, spe specific to that role. There's nothing generic about it, right? Um, mm -hmm. Even if they say, "Oh, I just want a bookkeeper," we need to make sure that we're recruiting a bookkeeper that has, you know, knowledge of whichever software they're using, whether that's Zero or QuickBooks or Wave Apps. There's so many different options, and so um, we take that to market. We use a series of paid job boards, unpaid job boards. We have a huge referral network of people that we've you know, obviously helped get jobs and all of their friends and family and, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff who want a good mm -hmm. opportunity. Um, so that referral network, and then we have a Facebook group with like 20,000 people in it, all looking for jobs. And um, wow. what that comes out to, yeah, it, it's great. Um, there's a lot of talent out there, but what it comes down to is, is a lot of vetting, right? So from posting that job description, we're gonna get a thousand resumes, right? We're gonna get some yeah. obscene amount of people that apply. And so I actually have seven people that work with me full time there in the Philippines um, and they help us go through these resumes. Right. And so from, let's say, 500 resumes, we read that down to maybe 30 or 50 who we've had a mm -hmm. lot more heavily. Um, we make sure that they have great English speaking skills, um, can communicate effectively and make sure that they have a backup Wi-Fi solution, power solution, all those kinds of things. Right. And then as well as all the technical skills that they need and mm -hmm. do a personality test. Um, personality assessment then too. So really like 
getting the, the person into the process of 500 people down to 30 to 50, and then we weed it down to about three. And those would be the three that we present to the clients. Those would be, um, we'd present them a series of information about each one, um, really a folder that has videos of them speaking and all these different things that the client can look at as reference points, including things like resumes, of course, to say, mm -hmm. hey, you know, you got Jackie, Jill, and Sarah here. I want to talk to all three of them and see if they'd, you know, see which one would be a good fit. Or they might say, you know, I want to talk to Jackie and Jill, but not as keen on Sarah. So let's do a final interview with the other two. So we say, yeah, yeah. absolutely. We set that up. Um, we walk them through that interview. And then whoever they're excited about working with from there, then we would help them onboard. Um, we we up, operate only as a headhunting agency. So we don't, um, we don't really take any kind of ongoing fees or anything like that. Um, so they get to work with the client directly, which always works better for the client as well as the individual who's working for them. Um, just a much better relationship not to have like a middleman uh, into that long term. So totally. Is that is that tempting, though, a little bit? Because then you'd have like recurring revenue if you did get yeah, cut out of it. For sure. But you decided yeah, not to go sure. that route, right? Yeah, there's lots of people making millions and millions of dollars doing it that way. Um, mm -hmm. And I definitely, you know, I see a value there. Um, every business model has its pros and its cons. Um, but I mean, the cool thing for us is we've now had the opportunity to work with several companies several times, right? Mm -hmm. So for us, like I'd rather deliver a really amazing individual and then they come back to us later and say they want to hire somebody else, right? And yeah. so then we help them hire two, three, four, five people. That's where we want to be. Um, cause I, I just, you know, I'm like a, I don't know if you know what AppSumo is, but like sure. I buy software. No there. It's like one time you don't have to, re, you know, no re reoccurring, um, pricing, that kinds of stuff. And so, you know, I'm a really big believer in that and just like paying for something once and then it's yours. Right. Um, yeah. We, we try and focus on that. Um, and so I think everybody's just happier that way. And yeah, but certainly attempting to want to do like a recurring revenue of some kind. Totally, totally. Because like I, I'm working on a on a SaaS app right now, right? And me and yeah. my co-founder have gone back and forth, right? Like it would be awesome to put it out on AppSumo, maybe get a bunch of lifetime deals. But then you're kind of stuck, right? Like then you don't have that reoccurring to uh, to to try to sell it on or you know to continuously making money. But I think it it's a lot different, right? In in this kind of business than you know a, a software application or, or something that has ongoing. Yeah, software right. software is different because you do you do have more ongoing costs and you have um, you still have amazing margins if you're doing it right, especially if you hit scale, obviously with software. But with software, you're always building, right? You're always like got to improve the product because it has to keep up with the, all of the other new products and services that are out there. So you really need that revenue to keep going, right? Yeah, because they're not buying something once; they're they're really buying your support in perpetuity. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And so when business owners come to you, what's like the the most often position that, that you typically fill? Um, and then what are like some other ones that that maybe they come and they and, and you know, maybe it's just not the right fit for a VA. Right. Because there are positions that it wouldn't make sense to have someone overseas in. Right. So what's like the, the most common one you fill and then ones that like just don't really make sense? Yeah, we're transitioning all of our copy right now to reflect not calling them virtual assistants, but calling them offshore team members. Okay. The reason that we're doing that is because the roles that they can fulfill are pretty technical in nature, generally. Um, we hire a lot of 
virtual assistant type, like generalist individuals, that's probably about 35% of the hires that we make. And so those would be people operating in a variety of tasks. Maybe they spend half their time doing bookkeeping, but 25% doing customer service. The other 25% is biz dev, right? So I call mm -hmm. that person a generalist. Um, but outside of those, we hire a lot of bookkeepers, a lot of like video and photo editors. We hire a lot of social media managers. We hire um, lots of marketing people and business development help. We hire people to help you keep your CRM updated. We hire a lot of different individuals um, in different tasks of, of people's business as much as, you know, we've hired financial analysts for people. Um, and so it gets more technical, right? We've even hired uh, software developers for sure. Um, okay. Just different, all kinds of roles that we're hired for. Um, and the good thing is that the hiring process is collaborative, right? So we get to we pull the client in at the end, right, to do that final interview and to really make sure that they have everything they need. And we also mm -hmm. back that with a guarantee. So even especially for these technical roles, like if for any reason they're not an amazing fit, like we guarantee to find someone that is. So um, that's kind of how we're able to find a variety of roles. Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. And, you know, at, at my last company I was at, right, we, we definitely needed a lot more help. Um, we in my opinion, we definitely could have used some uh, some offshore teammates. Um, but my, you know, the founder of the company was very against it. He really wanted, uh, you know, everyone to be, you know, here in the States or, you know, within within a certain, you know, amount of distance from our office. What are like some some myths do you think about like for like, sorry, offshore teammates um, that, you know, business owners like shy away and they said, uh, you know, we, we couldn't use them, but like they probably could. Hmm. Lots of good questions there. Lots of good things to think about. I think a lot of people think maybe it's not secure. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ways that you can mitigate, you know, fraud and, you know, security issues, right? Um, mm -hmm. Same ways that you mitigate a lot of the risk with your own team members is the same way that you would do it with them. Um, you can also do things like a remote computer where, you know, maybe there's their computer and everything that they're operating on is actually hosted in you know, Austin, Texas or wherever, yeah. but they're just toggling in from their desktop. So they're just getting like a mirror and none of the data is actually stored on their computer. That's a great situation to be in, right? Because then you can easily um, shut that off if you ever wanted to or needed to. Data is, security is not like a, that's not like the biggest issue with mm -hmm. hiring uh, remote team members for a lot of these roles. They don't really need access to a lot of sensitive data, um, but that's definitely one of them. Um, I think, a lot of people think that like all team members are the same, right? So, you know, there's different places where you can go and you can hire like a virtual assistant or whatever. And a lot of people have this thing where they say like, oh, well, I'm gonna put them through these like crazy like process where it's like, I'm gonna have them do these like 50 different steps, you know, and of these thousand applicants, whoever completes all 50 steps, I know that they're gonna be a great candidate I just don't think that's true, right? Because like mm -hmm. the best candidates aren't sitting here filling out your 50 point checklist where they have to put a special word in the email reply to you. You know what I'm talking about? People try and put yeah. your games and I just, I would never do that to someone in the States, like to try and put them like through, like to trick them, right? Yeah. So why people do that with their offshore teammates is just, it's very silly to me. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I think that's probably a, take that some people would be frustrated with. But when you do a real vetting process, when you do a real interviewing process, you don't have to do that. Um, yeah. 
And the English, right? That's another big myth. Is like, that, that, really yeah, I wanted to touch on that. They can't really speak great English. They absolutely can. I mean, freaking most of my team speaks much better English than uh, most of the people I talk to in the States. So, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so that's, that's definitely not an issue, especially in the Philippines. Um, they have two national languages. One is Tagalog and the other one is English. So it's, they're literally taught English from their grade school years and it's spoken within a lot of their households. So yeah, my team doesn't speak in their native, like they speak in English in all of our Slack channels and everything. They have no issue. So totally. um, that's, that's another big, you know, misconception. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, you know, uh, I think most people are afraid of, you know, get someone calling their business. Right. And then it sounds like, you know, they're getting put into an offshore call center, um, which, you know, they don't want to portray that, that that's happening. Um, but from what, what I understand, and, uh, you know, I had Stetson Stallworth on here, um, last week, uh, he spoke very highly of, of your service, but, but I know that I saw him break down some of the, the clients that, or sorry, the, uh, the offshore team members that, that he had spoken to. Um, and, and he mentioned that, you know, some of them had like really, really great spoken English. They all spoke English, right. But you can definitely tell a difference in like, you know, some of them don't have as much of an accent. Some like don't have an accent at all. Some have a, you know, thick accent. Um, so I guess that, that goes on with, you, you know, hiring the right one, um, and finding that right teammate. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, tons of people have accents in the U S too. So even if it's slight, like that's, that's usually okay. But, yeah, yeah, totally. So can you, and you can skip this question if you want, but can you speak to any like numbers of your business or ballpark? Um, well, just from a, a capacity standpoint, like I said, we've made over 135 buyers this year. So it's been really exciting. And our goal is to hire over 10,000, you know, help 10,000 businesses to um, hire offshore team members over the next 10 years. Right. So in our mm -hmm. first year, we've been able to 135. I'm hoping next year we can do 300 or so, you know, so um, that's kind of like the goal, right? Yeah. Um, as far as like, you know, that's because that's, that's how I measure everything. Um, revenue numbers are, they're fine, but um, like, it's not really um, descriptive of what we're getting done as an organization. Um, and so that's why I kind of like, that's what I focus on with my team as you grow, you know, and continue to like make more and more hires. Um, as time goes on, because we're building the capacity. And like I said, I have seven people that work full time for me over in the Philippines. So it's like we're busy, man. Um, yeah, but it's really yeah, totally. And can you speak a little bit more to that? Uh, like, I know your goal there, right, is 10,000. Like, what are your uh, what are you like most excited about or, or what are you, uh, you know, scaling and, uh, you know, focusing on? I know you mentioned your copy or changing a little bit uh, to try mm -hmm. to, you know, change that into, you know, offshore teammates. But like, what's the. What's going to get you there? Yeah, I mean, we're doing more content just like everybody else, just like this podcast and all that kind of fun stuff. We just revamped mm -hmm. our whole website. That's going to release in the next week or so. It's be exciting. Um, and it reflects, like I said, not virtual assistants, but offshore team members, which is great. Um, and honestly, I'm just excited to get uh, two things. One is just like a ton more referrals. Like referrals are such an important part of our business because when it comes to B2B services, people want to work with somebody they can trust. And, and, you know, as a, at a, you know, core level, that's kind of, you know, a lot of people like Twitter because you get real recommendations from real people that have real names behind them. And, and that's basically Twitter is a big referral network in a lot of ways. You know, that's mm -hmm. what makes it so great is you, there's a lot of built trust there. 
Um, and so I want to see us do, you know, have more and more referrals. I think that would be great and continue to build relationships with customers who, you know, they want to make a, a, you know, 10 hires or something like that, right? Like that, that's awesome for us because we can build like much more of a relationship with them, um, and help, you know, more people overseas. The other thing is I, I don't want to just focus on corporate clients. I think the other cool thing that I see is like, especially over the last few years, there's so many solopreneurs or small creators or small business owners, um, not to use like a buzzword with creator, but all of these individuals, like you might, like some of them are making, let's say they're having a lot of success. They make 70 grand a year, 80 grand a year um, with their little LLC. Well, like they don't have the money to hire like a $40,000 a year admin person to like mm-hmm. run their stuff. But if they can hire an overseas teammate for 12 grand a year and get back 20 to 25 hours a week of their time, or maybe 30 to 40, that's a really big quality of life improvement for them. And also is going to free them up to do more opportunities to make more money. Um, so mm-hmm. I really like, as much as I like working with the larger corporations, I really also like working with the solopreneurs and the small businesses um, because they get a lot out of the service. Yeah, I could totally see that. Is there is there any uh, clients that you've had that you're like, oh, like like I made it, like this is uh, this is pretty sick. Yeah, I mean Liam Kircher is somebody that I helped early on show him kind of like how to hire a virtual assistant and hire hire some offshore help. Uh, for his cleaning business. And I mean, that dude was working 60 hour weeks before just on his mm-hmm. cleaning business. Um, and now that he's got some help, like with the admin stuff and recruiting cleaners, like his quality of life went way the frick up, like just really dramatically improved um, as far as like how many hours he was working. But also he was able to start an entirely new business on top of his current business, which is his coaching program, Cleaning From Zero. Um, mm-hmm. which is, which is awesome. And there's a lot of people that are having a lot of success with this program. Actually Stetson, I think is one of them. Um, yep. but yeah, I mean, that is like an amazing example. Cause like it's taken, it's taken his business like through the roof basically. Totally. Um, which, so that makes me really happy and he's a good friend of mine. So, um, that, that, that's awesome too. Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. And so, uh, one thing I did want to ask you about, so obviously you've grown a pretty, uh, I would call a substantial following on Twitter. How did how did all of that come to fruition? Have you and, and when did you start? Uh, you know, on Twitter. Um, let's see. I think back in fall of twenty twenty, maybe. I'm not sure. I'd have to go so back. It hasn't been that long. Fall of twenty twenty. Nick Huber posted on his uh, podcast that I listened to religiously. He's actually the original inspiration for me starting my cleaning business. Didn't know mm-hmm. about all these cleaning guys on Twitter or anything like that. Like I said, just wanted to start something to make some scratch, like make some money. Um, and so Nick Huber told, you know, he said, get on Twitter. I'm making like tons of amazing connections. We're like, okay, I'll log on to Twitter, blah, blah, blah. So I start like following him and then following Moses Kagan and other people that he's talking to and like chiming in, you know, trying to reply a little bit, talk a little bit about the things I'm struggling with, the things I'm dealing with. And at first on Twitter, it was mostly like just therapeutic, like just being able to talk to other business owners who are dealing with a lot of the same crap that I am um, as a business owner, uh, people calling out, customer issues, hey, can you give me some advice here and there? Um, and that's really what it became about. And I think I like, you know, when I, you say like I grew a following and stuff, I've done some things to like try and get more followers, like posting threads and stuff, but I've 
if you look back, I've posted very little threads. What I have mm -hmm. done for the most part is just tried to be kind to people, tried to make friends and just like help people out where I can. Um, mm -hmm. I think that goes a lot further than people think on Twitter. Um, just because, you know, people like to hang out with people that they like, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think if you ask a lot of the people that follow me on Twitter or whatever, they would just say, yeah, I like that guy. He's a nice dude. You know, they wouldn't say like, oh, I want to learn all these like business lessons from him or whatever. Um, so I think there's different ways to approach like building a following or whatever. Um, at the end of the day, Twitter is just about like the connections. Right. Yeah. Um, and I've made a ton of good friends there, too, which is just amazing. I've had lunch with several people that I've met on Twitter. Um, and now that I live in Charlotte, there's a bunch of people here that, you know, I've met there, too. So really cool, man. Um, and I yeah. just encourage anybody who's thinking about like posting on Twitter and stuff, just give it a shot. Um, and don't focus on like creating content per se, just, um, share bits and pieces about your day. And at first maybe no one will like it or whatever, but it just takes one larger account, like checking it out and, you know, thinking it's thoughtful. So, yeah, totally. And how instrumental do you think, uh, like the, the growth of your business and, and probably a lot of leads that you get, right? Cause I imagine when you get a lead from Twitter or, or from a referral, right? Your cost of acquisition is basically nothing at that point, right? Which, which is how you can grow a business a lot quicker than if you have to spend a ton on acquisition. Yeah. So what I would say about this is that that is true for sure. It's definitely a good way to like get referrals and get business and, and people that have been like that come through Twitter, they, they know what I'm about. They know, like they trust me. They understand what we're trying to do here. Um, and I think that's important, right? Cause people do, I don't want to say people buy from people, but they, they do, they kind of buy from, um, they don't like to buy from these like corporate brands and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so just having a face and, and building a relationship with your customers, I think is important. Um, I'm copied on every single email that goes out in my organization. So people can always get my attention. Everybody has my phone number. So that's, that's something that I think is, it's just really important is that like, I'm at the face of this, but I also like, I back up everything that we do. Um, mm -hmm. and then the other thing that I would say is just when it comes to, you know, um, generating business, Twitter is a great place. And this is what I would encourage people to do, like focus on with it. Great place to validate your product or service. It's not necessarily a great place to scale. Like, mm -hmm. cause then if you try to scale on Twitter, you're gonna be forced into doing weird things, like just posting like a thread every single week and like trying yeah. to like be clickbaity and have all this like engagement bait, which is like, it's fine and that's a game to play, but um, certainly people lose respect for you when you do stuff like that. So um, yeah. what I would encourage people to do is like get validation, get proof of concept, meet people who can share, you know, can teach you things about your business to improve it. Um, I got to give a, a shout out to Max Clark. He usually, he recently worked with us to find somebody um, and he gave me some very, very valuable feedback on our systems and processes. Um, mm -hmm. And we're implementing that in our business. A regular customer probably isn't going to do that, but Max cares and he wants to make our business better. And so, so we're taking that to heart. Uh, so what yeah. I would say is like validate through Twitter and then, you know, you got to use other, you know, all of the other business development tools to scale, whether that's partnerships, cold email, you know, there's LinkedIn, other content, right? So um, that's kind of how you, most service businesses or something like that could hit scale. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think you also have to enjoy it, right? Like if you're going for the, the clickbaity stuff every single day or trying to write threads and stuff, it's exhaustive. And like, I, there was a point where I was like trying to make a point to do that all the time. It's just like, I wake up every morning, like, ah, I got to come up with something to post today and like, just not looking forward to it. Right. So I think, I think there's something to be said there, right? Like you got to enjoy it. And like, when I see you tweet, it looks like you, you know, genuinely like, you know, responding to stuff and it's like super interesting stuff that you're, uh, you know, responding to. Appreciate it, Nick. Yeah, mostly, um, this is like all of us now, it's just mostly a lot of friends hanging out, you know, just having a good time. Mm -hmm. um, and what I would say, I mean, is, is like, don't try and create content. Just like try to do something interesting um, and then just talk about that. And don't, yeah. like, and like, I, I got a lot of people paying attention to me from talking about a cleaning business. It's kind of played out now. A lot of people have talked about it. <laughs> so it's a little boring yep. now, but uh, but I mean, people are interested in that just because it's something different from what their what their day to day is. So yeah, and they don't know exist, right? Like that's the, yeah. that's one of the coolest things with Twitter. Like you don't know all these people existed, right? Like I would never know that you existed and you run like a you know a VA business and uh, you know cleaning and whatnot if I didn't see your Twitter. And it opens up a whole new world of people that you know you just didn't know existed, which is so cool. Yeah. Um, but. Moving on here, wanted to get into the, the last uh, big question that I have here. So um, I do write a, a weekly newsletter called Three Ideas on Sunday, where I basically uh, put out a new business idea every single week. Um, and in the business idea, I'll say, you know, what the, what the business is, uh, the customers I would go after, how I would obtain those customers, um, and potentially how I'd scale it. So would love to get, you know, a business idea that you have that you're not working on right now. Maybe, maybe you will in the future, but something that you think would be really cool to work on. Yeah. So this is not, this is something I've talked about on Twitter a little bit, but I haven't like made the time to do it and I probably won't. So somebody else should go do this. Um, mm -hmm. There's these companies and it only works in certain markets. They have to be more affluent markets um, and they have to be, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work everywhere. Um, and it also probably depends on your labor laws and all these kinds of different things. Um, so, you know, take that into consideration when you're doing your uh, like business analysis and trying to make a plan, yeah. but dog scooping, like dog poop scooping businesses mm -hmm. actually can make a bunch of money. Um, yeah. because what you essentially end up doing is hiring all of this part-time help, um, to go out there and scoop dog poop. Now yeah. at first, like the unit economics aren't that good, but as you get more and more route density, it's all a route density play. It's a lot like lawn care. The only difference between it and lawn care is that like, there's no overhead basically. Cause you don't have any lawnmowers. You don't have any like gas is a thing so you have to figure that out so either you're gonna have to pay your people for mileage or you're gonna have to pay for their gas or whatever um but you can literally start doing this on the side you know and getting people you know getting people's attention offering the opportunity to like hey we'll scoop up your dog crap so you don't have to take care of that um like i think like a young person doing this could like you know within a couple of years be making 100 grand a year like profit mm -hmm. doing this and and really early on like you can especially if you're young, like you got friends that just want like part-time flexible job. And so like, you know, oh, if they can get to it in the morning, if they can get to the afternoon or the evening, it doesn't really matter, you know, as long as they hit their routes. So you, you've got like the, the, like the cool thing where it's like, there's lots of people that want like these little part-time jobs. And then you can also be, it's kind of like flexible, right? Like, mm -hmm. like a lot of people like to do DoorDash and stuff as their side hustle. Well, this is like a great side hustle because, you know, they can do it kind of whenever they want, as long as they do it that day. 
The other yeah. thing about it is like with lawn care, if it rains, like you can't mow, and it's like a huge deal because you have to like change all your schedule and everything. With this, it's not that <laughs> dramatic. Like if if your dog poop doesn't get picked, like the exact day, you know, you can kind of like shift things around and people aren't like, Oh no, this is like terrible that they haven't, they didn't come on a Wednesday when we, they normally come on a Wednesday. Like people don't really care yeah. as long as you do it. And it's not like house cleaning in the sense that you don't have to go in their home. And so there's a lot yeah. less like security and things that you, you need to do. You know, one thing that you have to be careful is like, you can't work with, you gotta, as far as like safety reasons, like you gotta make sure that the dogs are, like they have to be caged up or they have yeah. to be on leash or something. Cause like you don't want any of your employees to get bit by a dog. Um, yeah. but I love this business model because I actually personally know a couple people doing multiple six figures in profit, working not that many hours a week running businesses doing this. Um, really? so I, I think especially if over time it kind of compounds. Um, and I think somebody could totally do this like as a side hustle, um, and grow it to a significant amount of revenue. Um, like I said, not every market can do this. You can't, you can't do it in like small towns. It's not going to work. Right. But yeah. if you go to DC, if you go to like, I'm sure that like Dallas probably has people to do this, um, different things like that, different cities like that. Um, it can definitely work really well. Totally. What, uh, what areas are your, your friends doing it already? Like uh, I probably regions? shouldn't say, um, because I don't, can you say like the, the state or whatnot? Look, I mean, really just any affluent area, basically, like that's what I would look at. Mm -hmm. um, like the look at average incomes and then you're gonna focus on certain neighborhoods, right? So every mm -hmm. city also has like, these are the neighborhoods that you really wanna hit. Like the ones that you wanna canvas, you even talk about marketing and stuff like that. It's like, you know, putting up signage like in certain neighborhoods because you're going for yeah. density. So you wanna hit certain areas super, super hard, right? And then you go to the next neighborhood and it's super, super hard. Right. So that hopefully kind of like you want to, cause you make the more money, you know, the more route density you have, the more money you make cause it's less time driving. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's super interesting. My grandma actually sent me a, uh, a newspaper cutout and it was like uh, a business in, I want to say it was New York doing 500,000, uh, doing exactly this. And so immediately I was like, what do the unit economics break out to, right? Because I'm thinking, how much is someone willing to pay? And then how many, how long does it take, right? All of that type of stuff. What do you think the, the unit economics sort of look like on that? Yeah, I was actually just gonna, just gonna pull this up for you because I had it, I have, um, there's a franchise that does this and they actually list uh -huh. the pricing online. So give me just a second. Let's just get your quote. Yep. Okay, so what they said is up to four dogs included for uh, for three times a week service, it's $15 each time they visit. So it's $45 a week um, if okay. they come three times a week, which is like, if you if you think about that, $45 a week, $90, $90 every two weeks, about 180 bucks a month. Like, that's not a bad... Like that's not a bad gig. Yeah, per, that is twelve yeah. visits. So you're not like, like I said, like you have to have the route density. You basically have to be able to, like, hop out of your vehicle, do it in five or ten minutes, be at the next place in, you know, five minutes, like less than five minutes, right? Couple minute yeah. drive, hit the next place. Couple minute drive, hit the next place. But like, I mean, if you can hit four places in an hour, you're billing it, you know, sixty bucks an hour. You pay your employee 
30% of that, right? You're going to pay them $20 an hour. They can get a good side mm-hmm. hustle going there. Um, and you, you're billing at a good rate. Like I said, it's all going to be about that route density. So, yeah, that's super interesting. Um, so if you had to go start this tomorrow, where, what would you start with? So like, how would you go get your first customer? Um, and, and what would any of your startup costs be, right? Like, would you get a website and start that way? Or would you just go door to door? Yeah. The first thing I would do is definitely set up my Google, my business and my website. I would do something super basic as far as websites go. Um, Google my business. I probably have a couple friends like, <laughs> excuse me. I probably have a couple friends like post reviews. Um, I, I would like to pick up their dog crap or something and, you know, have them take pictures and be like, oh, wow, this person's amazing, right? Um, very professional, right? So get some of those Google reviews to kind of get that initial traction. Um, I would, you know, build your website to help you look professional, like I said. And then um, that hyper-local marketing, so yard signs, chalk, any of those kinds of things, like that guerrilla marketing that costs you almost nothing to do, um, to just like, mm-hmm. really hit some neighborhoods, right? People call them... Uh, Bandit signs, those are those like mm-hmm. signs that everyone hates, but they're like the little rectangular ones that you see on street corners. Those yeah. work really well. Like just, that's just the truth of it. Like they work really well at getting people's attention. And um, that's a great way for low cost to you know, stick in the ground and, and get people's attention. Especially like if you want to hit one geographic area, right? Where it's like somebody's on their drive home, you know, into their neighborhood and they see the sign four times. It's like, they're going to get the phone number and call you. Um, yeah. And I would get like a Google voice phone number or open phone or use one of those phone systems, set up a separate phone number uh, for the business, right? Leave a super friendly voicemail, like that in case, in case you don't get to the phone. Um, like I would set up uh, some kind of like super easy booking online, or honestly, maybe I would just do a contact form because mm-hmm. like, at first you're not going to know exactly what information you need. So you're going to have to ask them and kind of figure that out. Uh, but I'd also just go copy all the competitors and see what the best people are doing. Yeah. Go look at the, go find the dog pooper scooper businesses that has, you know, 200, 300 reviews. Um, just copy everything that they're doing. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when do you think you'd, uh, you'd hire your first, um, employee or do you think you just do that right? How much money you have, right? Um, I think Mm -hmm. it it depends how much money you have, but I mean, you know, early on, there's going to be like some costs, rates, because you got to have like general liability insurance, like workers' compensation insurance, like once you start having employees and stuff. Um, so if you do it on your own, you kind of can like get along without that for a little while because you're like, you're not going to like sue yourself, right? So that that, that mm-hmm. helps. I'm not, not a lawyer, so don't take legal advice here, but um, <laughs> you can kind of get along without doing a lot of that stuff. But like, if I had a little bit of money, I'd probably hire somebody right away, right? I'd hire my little brother or my cousin or my friend or my, my high school buddy, right? Um, the same yeah. way, like I would honestly just approach it very similarly to how people build lawn care businesses, um, like the residential ones. Yeah. And there's a ton of really... cast and resources around that business. So you could just take yeah. those and then like, just take that blueprint and stick it on the, Do the same thing. Drilling. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks. Honestly, this is the best idea that I've had on the podcast yet. I think I'm only three episodes in, but this is, this is definitely like the, the best one because it's super actionable. It's like someone could literally go start this tonight. Right. And, and start generating uh, calls through, through Google, my business. Look, man, and, you're not going to get like super that. rich doing this, but I think everybody could, everybody could benefit a lot from just like starting a simple business. And like, let's say you, you do it for a couple of years, you make a hundred grand, you don't want to do it anymore. You either sell that route to somebody else that does the same thing. Or you just close the business. It's just fun. It's okay. You know, it's not the yeah. end of the world, right? Um, so, yeah.
Totally. And it's got that recurring revenue that everyone loves, right? Like that's, yeah, that's, that's what, that's what it's, it's, I mean, when you have labor, it's super important because you have to be able to continue to like feed, like feed them. Right. So uh, yeah. that's the one issue about having your one-off service is that as things go, you know, ebb and flow, you need to, you're going to have to cover your overhead. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So this would be able to, you know, cover your overhead. And honestly, it's one of those services where like, if somebody gets this and they like it, they're never yeah. going to leave you. Like, I, like it would be like one of the last things that people are going to, uh, get rid of people like I don't have a dog, but from what I can tell and what people tell me, yeah, not a fun part of having a dog. So totally, it's definitely something that if you have a dog, you're definitely willing to pay for, especially if you have a big enough yard or in a, a fluent enough area, right? Like it's one of those things. It's like, uh, like now that I have this, I don't want to clean that up anymore. Like yeah. no way, especially if it's you know only a certain amount a month. Um, but awesome. Thanks so much for that idea. That's all I got. Um, anything you want to plug or, or any advice you want to leave us with? No, man, I would say just, uh, you check out elevate and delegate.com or you can follow me, uh, on Twitter. It's just my name, Brian Solentrop, or you can look up solely business. Um, I'm trying out TikTok, so we'll see how the, that goes. Uh, so if you want to see me make a fool of myself, go check that out. Um, but if you, if anybody needs to hire some offshore teammates, um, let us know. We'd be super happy to help. Awesome. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, Nick.